This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Let's dive in. Hello, Raw Beauties. Anybody out there ever experience anxiety? put up your hand, unless you're driving, don't put up your hand, put your hand back on the wheel. My guess is that almost everybody has at some point experienced anxiety, which is a super like normal reaction for a body to have. But for some of us, I'm putting up my hand right now, who struggle with anxiety, it can become very debilitating, very uncomfortable in moments. Um, and so I'm so excited for today's guest. Georgie Collinson is joining me. She is an anxiety mindset coach, a gut health expert, and a nutritionist. And she's struggled with anxiety herself in her early 20s, which I feel like is a time when anxiety starts to spike for so many women. It's like, we're out of high school and all of a sudden you're expected to know uh, how to live on your own, how to find friends, you're trying to figure out what your career is, relationships, all of these different pieces. Um, and you really weren't finding a lot of relief from conventional results. So you've created this holistic approach to kind of combating anxiety or working with anxiety. And so we're going to talk all about that today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, so take us back and tell me a little bit about your story with anxiety, because anxiety can look so different for so many, for every single person, right? So what was your experience of anxiety like? Yeah. So look, I would say in terms of, you know, the anxiety is on a spectrum for how we experience it. So for some of us, it's quite mild. It can be, it can manifest in that way of like perfectionism, yeah. kind of always having pressure on this to-do list. And then it can manifest all the way over to all of that stuff, plus daily panic attacks, you know, not able to leave your house, feeling like you just can't function. You don't know whether you should sit down or stand up. So there's, there's that kind of um, degree that we can kind of fluctuate within. Now, for me, in my high school years, it always manifested as that perfectionist tendency. Like I want to do really well with, with school. I want to, you know, look good and, and have all the stuff, you know, everything kind of perfect. Yeah. And that, that pressure was on me. But it wasn't to a point where I believed I had a problem or anything I really needed to address. It was just there. Um, you then, probably were really celebrated for that in a lot of ways because oh yeah. usually it really serves us for a, a certain period of time. Like you do well in school and you are, you're just a people pleaser generally comes along with that package. So a lot yeah. of people are really praised. I feel like for that level of anxiety. <laughs> and also I think we like it about ourselves too. Look how much I got done. Look how much I did. I achieved so much. So there is an element where I suppose you could see it as useful, though I like to teach women that there is a whole other way we can do our lives. We can still achieve all our goals. We can still get all the stuff done. None of it has to come off your plate necessarily. All that stuff can be there, but the way we approach it, the way we live our lives can be so much more joyful, richer, juicier, more pleasurable 
mm-hmm. when we are shifting away from the anxiety and, and feeling living our lives more on a feeling level in our bodies, less, less in the mind, less in the thinking. So high school was kind of that for me and it wasn't anything too crazy. And I was, I was lucky that I, I feel I was naturally um, academic and that kind of that system suited me well. Yes. But then I left went after high school and I think there is an element here too of what you were saying about your early 20s. It's like you, you go through life going through the schooling system and it's like you always know what's coming next. Next year I'm in this grade and these are the expectations of me. And then after high school, I mean, you kind of, a lot of us might think we want to go and do further study or, but it's all everyone for themselves at that point. And you have to start making these choices and decisions for your life. And most of us don't know who we are still and what we want to really be doing. Yeah. So it's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. And that was certainly a component for me, but the real kicker was I had this beautiful childhood. I didn't have major traumas growing up, which I feel very grateful for, Mm -hmm. um, of course there were things, you know, we all have stuff, but nothing, nothing major. And then what happened was when I was 19 years old, my, my parents got divorced mm. and it was a whole situation of my dad leaving my mom for a much younger woman. Um, mm. And the devastation that caused for our family in terms of that stability just was suddenly shattered. And what I thought was solid and stable kind of just turned to liquid in my hands. And I was like, ah, what do I, what, like, so What's that- real anymore? It's like your whole, I mean, when you're, when you're that age as well, the foundation of your family and, and that marriage and, you know, it all, as you said, it feels so solid. So it probably is like the rug is being completely pulled out from underneath you. Exactly. And as the child, you're not really brought along in that full journey that the parents are going through either. So there's a lot that's sort of unsaid usually, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I was 19. So there was this expectation that, you know, you're an adult now, but we always need our parents still. And (laughs) there was that sense of like, mom couldn't be there for me because of course she was going through all of her stuff and dad couldn't be there for me because, well, I was so mad at him. And yeah, he was also going through it all too. So it was a very scary time for me, but one I'm very grateful for because in a weird way, um, yeah. because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't gone through that. And so, um, that accelerated my growth, my understanding of myself forced me to mature quite quickly and understand emotional well-being quite quickly. I didn't, I, I had to, to keep kind of, to keep things together. I had to kind of learn. And so I started looking at books and things like that and wanting to find these answers, like, how can I feel safe? Cause I don't feel safe anymore. Um, I'd wake up every morning, you know, with the looking at my, looking at my phone thinking, what have I, what have I missed? Have I slept in? Okay. Okay. Like it's okay. But then just feeling like it's not okay. You know, yeah. trying to reassure myself, but it, my life had gone wrong. This wasn't the way it was meant to be. I was meant to have mom and dad at home. Like it's wild how, there are so many different spectrums of things that can occur. Like it could be exams at school for somebody. It could be uh, rape or domestic abuse for somebody. It could be parents separating for somebody. There's no guide as to what can cause anxiety in a human being or, you know, what could trigger that within somebody. And there's no rule book either. So one thing that I've often found when I'm in that space of anxiety 
is that I'll look around me and I get into the comparison game. Well, how come she can do all of that? Or how come she dealt with her parents separating? It didn't seem to impact her or, but they're doing it this way and they seem fine. What's wrong with me? Why am I reacting in this way? And I can get really hard on myself. Did you find at that time, like what were your symptoms? Did it just feel like your thoughts were racing? Did you have heart palpitations? Were you finding it hard to sit still? That like ugh, feeling in your stomach when you don't feel like you have an appetite? What was showing up for you then? All of that, all yeah. of that. And very much just, um, it, it, it accentuated my perfectionism too. So it was like, I have to get everything right. And I, if I make one wrong move, wrong, one wrong choice, bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason I use this simplistic language is that that's how it feels. It's like you're in that primitive brain state of fear and it's yes. just bad, bad's going to happen, doom yes. and gloom. And yes. we don't, we can't logic it. We can't actually explain what the bad thing is, or we try to, but we kind of latch onto like half sentences trying to describe it. It's, it is very um, up in our heads. And, you know, it's funny that thing you just said about why, how does she deal with her parents' separation so much better than me? It's like, well, we don't actually know how she dealt with it. She might've been (laughs) crying behind closed doors. She might've been, um, burying it down, pushing it down. A lot of us are very good at doing that to cope and things. We cannot escape these emotions. We cannot Mm. just bypass them. And it's the trying to survive and bypass what we're feeling that gets us even deeper into anxiety. So much of the time that in it, that emotion is energy in motion. It needs to move. Mm -hmm. And probably I'd say 70% of the women I work with do not let themselves cry or they think they do. And they're like, yeah, I cry. And I'm like, when did you last, like, howl? When did you yeah. last just break down and be a mess? And they're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I can't remember. Or <laughs> like it's only when, when I was 12, maybe? <laughs> yeah, or it's only when it's socially acceptable. So it's okay at, um, at, for to cry at a movie or yep. it's okay to cry because someone passed away at a funeral. But it's not okay to cry because I'm just really tired today and nothing's gone right. And my inner critic is just beating me up. And like, we think that's not okay. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I feel like I cry all the time. It's kind of a joke between my husband and I, like he loves it. He's such, he handles me so well when I'm always like in tears, but I think I just now have gotten to the point where I'm so comfortable letting whatever emotion needs to come through me to allow it to come out. And I guess I'm so lucky to have that safe space with him and uh, my family where it's, it's allowed and accepted. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily have that, but, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I find in my work too, that, that people are afraid of their emotions. They're afraid of certain emotions. And as a result, they kind of get into the space of running from the uncomfortable ones, which just seems to perpetuate the anxiety even more. Exactly. It comes out as anxiety. And and often what happens when I get clients to actually sit with the anxiety yeah. It moves around and it t- starts to turn into tears and sadness. There's a lot of grief and sadness that's repressed. Mm-hmm. And if and if it's not quite that, it might be anger. But anger is again repressed sadness. At the b- bottom of it all, it's it's sadness. It's the disappointments that we kind of were like, oh no, I don't want to feel that. Yeah. Um, and it just it keeps us stuck and it keeps us not feeling again safe in our bodies because. To feel, to be a present in your body and aware that you are actually a living creature that's alive right now, you also have to feel the emotions. You have to be in touch with those. And so um, there can be a resistance and it's easier to shut that off, not be in my body, just keep up in my mind and keep thinking. And I think, you know, you were saying before, where does this anxiety come from? It comes from well, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of complex answer and then that our minds will enjoy, the humans in us will enjoy. And then there's the sort of more spiritual perspective on this. The simple mm. spiritual perspective is that we, are, we have two versions that we can live our life through, two perspectives at any one time. There is our mind, our human self, our ego, if you like. Yeah. And then there is the, the true self, deeper beneath all those belief systems that we took on growing up, beneath um, all the limitations that society places upon us, you know, um, you can't do this, you can't do that, come back to reality, we have to do things a certain way. Beneath all of that, there's this like beautiful, wise, calm, loving part of all of us. Um, you might think of it like your your soul or your higher self or um, your intuition even, but mm-hmm. we all have access to that. But the only way we can access it is by being more in our body. And from this perspective, life is always working out for us. We are always safe. We can always trust. And I think 
getting to the place where you trust that perspective is revolutionary for anxiety mm. because I can, I can be in a scary situation in my life where the, the mind in me is terrified, yeah. but the true self can say, actually, it's okay. It's going to work out. I know you can't see it yet. You yeah. don't know how, but it's going to work out. And that has been honestly the, the most enormous transformation for me. But to get to that place, there's all these other things we can consider in our physical bodies to build our resilience to the triggers and stresses of life. And this is where, where, where the anxiety reset method comes in, which is looking at not just the, the thoughts that we're thinking, yes. but also the, the food we're eating. How are we fueling our bodies? How is our brain receiving the nutrients it needs so that you can kind of stop that racing mind and and calm down into a place where you, you're actually able to access feeling your body, right? Yes. Getting Love enough this. sleep, getting enough, um, making sure that we are looking after our hormones. If you, if you are like, you know, in those days leading up to your period, our brains kind of get hijacked <laughs> by, <laughs> by what our hormones are doing. Uh-huh. That's what's happening then. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it can be when it's more debilitating and extreme, that's definitely something that can be improved and managed. And so yes. that it's not such a, Oh, like going into the darkness, but it's definitely a time for releasing and for the emotions to come up. And so again, like understanding that your hormones are having an impact on this anxiety and your vulnerability to that anxiety as well, or the, the stressful triggers in our lives that make us feel unsafe and anxious. So mm-hmm. we can, balance our hormones we can nourish our bodies correctly get enough sleep have fun connect to nature exercise not throw all this um all these stimulants like caffeine into our bodies that perpetuate that fire from that perspective that's where so that's like the physical world like we can kind of address all those things that's looking at our physical body and then from there we can go into a, a deeper perspective on it and look at how can we access this this calm voice within you. We've all got this guide that can tell us we're okay all the time. I love that. It's just inherently within us that it's not something you have to buy or something that you have to like do. It's just there. It's part of you, but it gets that inner voice gets lost and buried, as you said, under all of these messages that we receive and under our conditioning within our society and our families and, and all of these spaces, God, we have to work really hard (laughs) to get, to unlearn all of those messages though, and to come back to the simple truth that we are enough, that we will figure it out, that everything is happening for us and not to us. And you know, all of these, these very calm, giving, nourishing thoughts and beliefs that serve us. I want to just go through that incredible list that you just provided one more time. So if you're listening right now and you didn't already jot those down, now's the time to grab your pen and paper. So you mentioned and add whatever in that I forget, making sure that our gut health is, is solid because that's going to allow us to really nourish our brain as well. Hormonal health, making sure that we're drinking enough water, reducing the number of stimulants that we're putting into our body. So caffeine, or I imagine like Coca-Cola for anyone who's drinking that would fall into that pattern. So anything that's caffeinated, um, alcohol, reducing alcohol, I can only imagine would be a key one. I know it is for me. Moving your body, sleep, which I think is 
probably one of my top ones. As soon as sleep goes for me, it's like a downhill slippery slope back into anxiety. It's interesting. I'm so glad you got brought up gut because I don't think I did say that last time, which I'm, which is so important. It's so key. Oh, good. So, okay. Gut health is huge. And for those who have like digestive issues where you, you notice, you know, things it's, it can be hard because some of us think that our gut is normal. And it's, yes. it's not necessarily so a normal um, digestive function. You'll be, you'll be having a bowel motion every day. Um, it will be well-formed. So if you're having regularly like loose stools or you, you, you can't, you get blocked up. Um, those are some signs that things are a little bit out of balance and bloating um, on a regular basis is another one to look out for too. Yes. Now, if your gut health is not optimal, the, the one that I was going to mention is the nutritional side of things as well, but it doesn't matter how amazing your diet is. If you are not, absorbing those nutrients so this is where the gut health plays such a key role too mm. so we're not just what you eat you are what you absorb into your body right. you could be right. like like slamming all the multivitamins taking all of these supplements but if your gut health and the, the gut wall is not in a um, place where it can actually absorb all of those nutrients really effectively then it is a bit of a waste of money so we do start we have a hundred times the genetic material of microbes than human genetic material in our bodies. It's wow. crazy. And so we are incredibly influenced by what our gut microbiome is doing. This is the bacteria, yeasts, protozoa, viruses, all of these different creatures, kind of mm -hmm. creatures living in our gut and on our skin as well. Um, so they have a huge impact on, on how we function in terms of our health, our immune system, many, many things, but certainly the aspect that I like to hone in on is, is the gut. And so, uh, sorry, is the mental aspect. Sorry. So, yeah. um, this is where certain, certain, uh, microbes, they do produce our, these chemicals that send messages up that vagus nerve that I mentioned earlier, the vagus nerve connects our gut to our brain and vice versa. They send these little chemical messengers up that vagus nerve and help to regulate the chemicals in your brain, which is quite fascinating. Um, the other thing that the gut has a huge influence over is the level of inflammation in the brain. And when I say inflammation, I don't mean, you know, like full blown disease as we tend to think I'm talking about just on the subtle sort of cellular level. We know that when there's inflammation in the brain, it's harder for the brain to regulate its serotonin stores, for example, um, mm -hmm. which we see as, as something that helps to regulate our mood and regulate anxiety too. So if we are able to heal our gut lining, reduce the inflammation there, we can reduce the inflammation in the brain too. The two, um, the brain and the gut inflammation uh, mirror one another. And so we can address that with our gut, which is quite amazing. Wow. So how do we end up in this place where our guts are not looking so good? Uh, yes. Most of it is modern life. It's, you know, stress is one, unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. And keeping <laughs> in mind too, that stress can be more than just pulling your hair out, um, heart rate really fast, um, constantly thinking really fast. It can be a sense of putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Like you've got a lot to do and you don't let yourself rest properly. You know, some of us feel like we're not mm. under stress, but that is still stress. Um, yeah. So that's a huge factor. Um, certain medications can have an impact as well, particularly our non-steroidal anti-inflammatories as well. So um, okay. 
ibuprofen kind of um, drugs can have an impact on the, the gut lining if we use them all the time. So it's like right. every time you have a headache, um, you're always going for the pain relief. But could you potentially, you know, make some adjustments to your lifestyle, maybe um, drink more water, those kind of things, and avoid needing to constantly take that? Um, other yeah. aspects would be, and the pill has an impact as well, the birth control pill. Poor diets, you know, if we're drinking lots of alcohol, that's going to damage your gut. Think about when you have an, a wound that's infected and you want to disinfect that wound, we use ethanol, we use alcohol to disinfect our wounds to kill the bacteria. The right. same thing is happening um, when we drink alcohol in our gut. It's killing off our good bacteria in our gut. Yeah, those are, the, those are the main ones. Like, oh, and of course, antibiotics are going to destroy your, your good bacteria. So using those very judiciously, trying to just minimize your usage where possible. Um, obviously, some cases we, we do need to take them, but trying to be minimal as best as we can. Yeah. So then, so those are our damaging factors, our pro, mo, main ones. Um, in terms of looking after our gut and kind of protecting us because we, we're never going to get it perfect okay so we yes. live these modern lives you are mm -hmm. going to have those things that damage your gut but being mm -hmm. aware of it like oh i've been doing a lot of those gut damaging things lately i had a, a wedding on the weekend and then i've like had lots of work this week and i haven't been sleeping well and i had to take antibiotics you know that's yes. when you've got to really think okay what's this doing to your gut yeah. um so here's a good time to start thinking about you know, maybe taking a probiotic because that is going to help um, balance your, your microbiome. It's a dose of those friendly bacteria. Um, maybe you want to start feeding more of your good bacteria with more fiber. They love to eat fiber. So this is found in oats, the skin on our fruit and vegetables. So okay. leaving the skin on yes. um, is a great idea. And also they love to eat polyphenols, which are the different colored pigments in fruit and vegetables. So this is when, when we say eat the rainbow. Yes. Idea of eating um, a variety of foods and this will increase the diversity of different strains of bacteria in your gut because they eat different types of foods. Okay, and the more, diversity, the more diversity we have, the better health outcomes we see as well. So colorful foods, increasing fiber, considering a probiotic, yeah. reducing alcohol, increasing yeah. water. Does increasing water have an impact on our gut health or doesn't? It's not really. It does in the sense of if you are experiencing regular constipation, it will uh, help things move. And often that's the, the big, one of the biggest factors. It, it's definitely stress as well, but looking at, you know, are you just have you, are you just dehydrated? Because if there's no water in the system, things can't, you know, <laughs> move smoothly through. Might be so a simple solution. Yeah, exactly. So it can be very important. And also um, just on an anxiety brain function, when we're dehydrated, our blood becomes thick and gluggy. And when imagine thick, gluggy blood trying to move through your brain. Right. Not ideal. That, that brings the idea of brain fog lack of yes. you can't concentrate properly you're yes. tired maybe maybe more anxious like your brain's not functioning at its best so hydration moves the blood yeah. flow through really efficiently and that's that's kind of how i think of it as well and then the nutrition side of things really important having those regular meals because i can still feel i'll feel anxiety when i if i like leave it too late to eat lunch for example the blood mm -hmm. sugar drops and i will be starting to feel anxious and the minute you eat oh 
it's gone. I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the first things that I notice when I have anxiety is that I lose my appetite. I feel like uh, when it gets really bad, I'm actually like quite turned off by a lot of foods. But yeah. in general, when I'm feeling anxious, I just don't have a huge appetite at all. And one of the things that I learned when I was uh, recovering from my postpartum anxiety, which was really severe and a lot of panic attacks, was the importance of eating every two to three hours minimum, including a bit more protein in my, in my meals, and really showing up for my body in that way, regardless as to whether or not I was feeling hungry. And I think it was really pivotal in my healing process and, and such a great, important reminder for women everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so key. Do you know if there was a thyroid component to your postpartum anxiety? Nothing that was diagnosed. Nothing that was diagnosed. I think it was just full on burnout from trying to work, having a toddler, having my my nine-month-old daughter who wasn't sleeping through the night. I got shingles. I mean, it was, we were moving all the things combined and, um, and my body was just like, no, no, thank you. But no, we're shutting you down and <laughs> you're going to take a break. And so it was a re, uh, a substantial rebuild. It has been almost a year and a half, two years, almost. I'm feeling really good now. But, uh, it, it's, it's taken this long and I, yeah. I still, I still have room to, to go room to go for sure. And this is so beautiful because there's obviously a, you know, physical component here. Your body was so depleted. You know, you just you'd have had a baby that, that babies deplete our nutrition stores. <laughs> there's so much going on. And there is, you know, there is this message in anxiety. And I've said this before and um, my sister said to me, you know, you've really offended a couple of my friends who've had postpartum anxiety because when, when you say there's a message in the anxiety because they're like, sometimes it just happens. And the thing is, it, it always has a message. And the message is, hey, we need to slow down. Hey, this Absolutely. is too much. You know, it's not saying it's your fault. And I think that's where people kind of get the, get the message confused and yes. take it personally. Yes. It's, it's empowering too, to decide, oh, like this didn't just like, I wasn't just struck down by lightning. Like this has happened kind of, and there's something I can do about it when you know yeah. kind of why, and your body was basically just saying, I need a break. Yes. Oh yes, it was. It was speaking very loudly to me. And as somebody who coaches women on how to listen to their body, it was a real smack in the face because I thought that I did that. Now I knew in this case, I was definitely in the mindset of, you know, we're in this postpartum phase. I just need to push through this stage. And once she's sleeping through the night more consistently, then I'll get back on top of my sleep. But that's not the way our body works. We don't get to decide the timeline as to how long we're going to push our body for and how long we're going to push our system for. Um, I mean, the shingles would have been a great time for me to maybe <laughs> take my foot off the gas and recognize this is something that most like people get when they're 70, not when they're 33 years old. So I was ignoring the signs. And um, in my recovery from that, I started off by trying, you know, like stopping work, uh, getting sleep, calling on extra help nourishing my body, taking the omega-3s, doing gentle movement, acupuncture, meditation, 
therapy, all the things down the list that I was so privileged and fortunate enough to have access to, it still wasn't working. The panic attacks were getting worse and worse. And so I ended up taking uh, medication, which I resisted for a long time, too long <laughs> because of the stigma around it. But in that moment for me, the anti-anxiety medication became another tool in the toolbox. And it really was the thing that lifted me up enough so that I could start doing all those other pieces, which were necessary in getting me to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, that's amazing because this is at the end of the day, like just the same as I, I was saying, if we look after these components of our body to the place where we are coping in our mind, and if that includes medication, great, you know, this doesn't, it's, it's not like less than to have medication as opposed to just going the gut healing route. And you cannot work on your anxiety just from the gut, right? You have to look at all these components. We are complex individuals. And so for that to get you to the place where then, yeah, you can maybe go deeper in your meditation. Cause I'm sure some of those meditations were just you sitting there going, I can't focus. I can't focus. Oh, I couldn't. I, at the beginning I would try meditation and it would, my mind would go into these really unhealthy thought patterns, which would cause another panic attack. So like the, I could not tap into the meditation at that point. And eventually I was like, not able to get out of bed. So exercise and movement and all of these things that are so important and talked about, like it was, I was too far gone for those. So it was a really beautiful moment for me in my own, um, viewpoint and perspective of wellness where I had gotten into a bit of this mindset of like, we can do, you know, if people are able to just do X, Y, and Z, then they would be healthier and happier. And it was a big wake up call that no, 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 no. In some cases, like that's not an option. And really we're so lucky to be at a, a time in life when both Eastern and Western practices are available to us and where we can kind of tap into and bring all of these into play to help us maximize our health and wellness. Enough about me. I want to say on that, it's like we have this physical component we can work on, which is so exciting because it's like, oh my God, there's all these things we can do. We can work on our gut. Yes. We can work on our nutrition. And I was going to say with the appetite piece as well, that makes so much sense because when we're in our fight or flight mode, all of the blood is in our limbs. We're ready to run or fight something most of the time. So right. the blood's not predominantly around our digestive system. The digestive system kind of right. shuts down because it's like, hang on, this is an emergency like we can digest food later. And so right. when we're in rest and digest mode, this is when we, we feel hungry and we, we actually do digest. Um, and there is something we can use. It's called our vagus nerve. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, but mm -hmm. we've had oh, yes. vagus nerve with various techniques. Um, one that I love, if you if you are in that state of, of feeling anxious and having no appetite um, is apple cider vinegar having a little shot, maybe like five mils with, with 10 mils of water. So make sure you water it down sort of like, so one part yes. apple cider, two parts water and have a little shot of that before you want to eat. So like maybe give it 20 minutes and most of the time it's pretty, it works pretty like magic unless, unless you are, really? yeah, unless you're, unless you then get re-triggered, re-triggered it can help to break that cycle and it can even ward off a panic attack, which is really exciting as well.
And then we also have, you know, we can work with our minds and our belief systems. And I think it's like, you can be doing all the stuff, but then you exercising, you're um, eating the right foods, but then, yeah. What kind of thoughts are you thinking? You're thinking like something terrible is going to happen every single day. And so having some awareness around your thoughts and, and, and that is important. But then the other side of that too is that we can also just let our human mind be a human mind that criticizes us. We have this inner critic. It's always looking for problems to solve and we can dip down into the true self as well, where it's just, this is where we observe the mind and we're just like, ah, like I'm not those thoughts. What would you say is the first step that somebody should take if they feel like their anxiety is uncomfortable and they're ready to do something about it? Are they going to you? Are they going to a doctor? What, like, what would be the protocol there? Good question. So I would say, I mean, it obviously depends on the the severity of, of that experience. So if there are, firstly, if you've never worked with a psychologist before or a therapist of that, that style, I would recommend always trying that first and just seeing how that goes. You know, in my story, I say that the conventional methods going to psychologists and things, I tried that. It just wasn't resonating with me. I needed something um, from a different perspective and, and for whatever reason, I didn't find it helpful, but I think it's really important because so many of us do find it helpful or find that that was the the big life-changing thing. And so that's always the place to start. Mm. Um, And then it's like, okay, I want to do, like, you've got to know that you want a different perspective and you don't know that until you've tried the starting point, which is um, often going to see someone, you know, even moving your body is so exercising. If you're not doing that already, um, yeah. There's clinical trials to show there's a huge systematic study that I did of looking at all these different uh, systematic review, looking at all these different trials they did on exercise for anxiety. And yeah. they found it was actually equivalent to taking medication and going to therapy. So of yeah. course, if you do all three, amazing. Um, or you go to therapy and exercise or yes, that's great too. But yes. it's, it's just understanding the power of just moving your body like that's that's the starting point definitely um and so if you are at that point of you know you're really really struggling not able to function in your life you can't turn up at work or you you regularly can't um you're struggling to yeah live in that sense i would say go to a a psychotherapist um or a psychologist but if you are functioning but you were just overwhelmed and it's just feeling really heavy and life's not feeling fun. It's feeling like yeah. dread. You're yeah. noticing that you're using a lot of coping mechanisms to push through. So, okay, I'm working until 12 a.m. I'm, I'm just going to eat this block of chocolate because like it's my reward to kind of get through all this work. Those kind of things, right? Or drinking alcohol is a big one. Online shopping is a huge one. Yes. Scrolling on social media feeling really not present in your life and just watching those beautiful moments with your family pass you by and you can't be present with them or you're snappy with people you love. Like that's when it's, that's, that's time to work with me. Mm. And that's where I can really help you bring that balance into your life. And more of that present moment, more of that sense of joy and, and, and fun and pleasure again. Yes. I'm so happy that you're doing this work. It is so needed. I feel like there's more and more people that I'm hearing and it's younger and younger that I'm hearing about it who are struggling with anxiety who are living with it. And it really does like zap the, the joy out of your life and our ability to be present in the moment. And really, as we say all the time on this show, 
the greatest gift that we have is the present moment. And if you are in that space and uncomfortable and constantly thinking about what's to come and have so much fear, it's very hard to sink into that. So I will link to, um, your website, the course, um, Instagram, all of the good stuff so that if you have resonated with this episode or you found it helpful that you can go check out Georgie and this incredible work that she is doing. Make sure that you follow along as well um, on all of her platforms. And yeah, I can't thank you enough for carving out the time all the way across the world in Australia to join me here today. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.